In a moment, we'll look at our scripture passage for this morning, which comes from John 15. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question, and that is, what is the most sacrificial thing a friend has done for you? Can you think of any examples? Think of something that a friend or group of friends has done for you that was especially kind and generous and even sacrificial. And as examples come to mind for you, I encourage you to share them in the YouTube chat in a sentence or two. And I'll share a couple as you think through what your answer might be or take the time to share your answer. The first one that jumps to mind for me happened two years ago. Two years ago this month, actually. My wife, Sarah, and I, we used to live just a few blocks south of the church building here in a one-bedroom apartment, and we moved a whole couple miles away to a two-bedroom townhouse. And moving is not fun, whether you're moving cross-country or moving a 10-minute drive like we did. And the week that we were moving, I was thinking that I was going to hire some movers because nobody likes moving. I, I think it's a pain for anyone. But early in that week, a couple people, a couple friends said, hey, we'll help you guys move on Saturday. And that couple friends turned into half a dozen friends, which turned into a dozen friends, which turned into over 20 people. As you see in the picture there, and you might recognize some friends from the church community as well. And let me tell you, 20 people is way too many to move from a one-bedroom apartment to a two-bedroom townhouse. But it was awesome. It was a ton of fun. We had traffic jams in the hallway because there was so much help. And start to finish, it took two hours, which was amazing. Now, this was a really kind demonstration of friendship from some of our friends. People like their Saturday mornings as a time to relax, but we had a lot of friends who sacrificed their Saturday morning and helped move boxes, couches, and all sorts of stuff into our house. Another example of sacrificial friendship that comes to mind happened a, a few years before that, and it was around the time when I was ordained. For those of you who aren't familiar with that, there tends to be a, a service of ordination when uh, somebody becomes ordained and uh, becomes officially a reverend. So that's a special type of worship service. And I have a lot of friends and connections in North Carolina, which is where I lived before I moved to Alexandria and where I went to school before I moved here. And I have one friend who's a, a really good friend. His, his name's Reverend Big Al, and he is awesome. He drove four hours each way to attend my one-hour ordination service. So that was a sacrifice that he made eight hours in the car to be present for about a 45-minute service kind, it was generous, and it was sacrificial. And I'm excited to read some of your responses that you've shared in the chat later. But when I think about this, when I think about someone making a sacrifice for me out of friendship, it's almost as if that kindness is burnt into my brain a little bit. And in addition to feeling gratitude, I feel compelled to want to return that sacrificial display of friendship. People didn't have to help us move, but they did, and it formed a great memory, and I have that picture to look back on to remember that day. And my friend didn't have to spend eight hours in the car to attend an hour-long service, but 
he knew that being present mattered, and he made the sacrifice that day to be there. Now, Jesus talks about friendship on occasion in his teaching and in his preaching. And in our passage this morning that we're going to look at, Jesus identifies his followers as not merely servants, but friends. Friends should be willing to sacrifice for one another. And this, Jesus, Jesus explains, this is what love is, making sacrifices for your friends. Jesus' words on friendship are profound and also simple. And they're not merely reflections, though, as we'll hear him share this morning. Jesus issues a charge and a command through it all. So let's look together at John 15. We'll be in John 15, verses 12 through 17. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one other than this, to, has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. We're going to look at two points from Jesus' words here to grasp what the call is and how we are to respond. So we're going to touch on the command that Jesus issues here before thinking about the fruit of friendship that he references at the end of the passage. But let's start by focusing on the command. And we need to acknowledge that Jesus is issuing a command here. This is not a suggestion. This is not a greeting card worthy reflection on love and friendship. This is a command that followers of Jesus are to hear and to obey. So we hear Jesus say, love each other as I have loved you and lay down your life for your friends. It's possible that we can fall into a pattern of thinking, Jesus suggests that I do this or that, so it would be a good thing if I were to do this or that. But the very first thing Jesus says in our passage this morning in verse 12 is, my command is this. My command is this. And as we see in verse 12, it's, it's not a suggestion. Jesus' followers must obey his commands. Now, before Jesus is arrested, we see that the middle chunk of the Gospel of John is full of chapters where Jesus has a lot to say to his disciples and to us as readers today. Now, Jesus is arrested in John 18 and John 14, John 15, John 16, and John 17. They are almost entirely the words of Jesus. My Bible has the words of Jesus in red on them, and when I flip through those chapters, it is all red. Chapter 15, which we're focusing on this morning, has nothing but red text because it's all the words of Jesus. Now, this morning's passage that falls within John 15 
comes in those chapters before Jesus is betrayed and before Jesus is arrested. So as Jesus shares these words on love and on sacrificial friendship, he is preparing for and not far away from his own execution, his own ultimate display of sacrificial friendship. So that's on the horizon as he shares these words. And the idea of laying down one's life for one's friends that we see Jesus say in verse 13, this is much more than a concept of hyperbole. It's an excruciating reality that he'll experience in a matter of a few chapters. The love of Jesus is not something that should be relatively new or newsbreaking to us. We know that Jesus loves his disciples, he loves us, and he loves all of humanity. And his record in scripture speaks for itself, from his handiwork at creation, to his sacrificial death on the cross, to his promise to return, and everything in between. Jesus is the embodiment of love. And this takes on different forms. Sometimes it's the cozy, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. But sometimes it's also an aggressive, heroic, warrior-like love. And on both extremes, Jesus loves the world and he loves the world to the point of death. And Jesus calls us too. He calls his disciples to whom he was speaking and us by the Spirit as we're reading and listening today to lay down our lives for our friends. It's a serious command. Now, sometimes this does take the form of martyrdom. There are examples across church history of this. And the reality is most of the time, laying down our lives for the sake of our friends is not going to lead to death. Yes, Jesus is leaning into his sacrifice on the cross that he knows is coming. And at the same time, there are many ways for us to lay down our lives for our friends in everyday actions. Sometimes laying down our lives for our friends means the simple, daily, small ways that we lay down our preferences, our pride, our ego, and our priorities for the sake of someone else. So think about it. How are you laying down your lives for your friends? Or are there ways that you could be doing this more clearly? We lay down our lives in everyday ways for our friends when we forgive, when we choose forgiveness over resentment or over vengeance. And we lay down our lives for our friends when we go the extra mile to help them and to be present in their lives, even if we don't feel like that friend has been doing the same for us recently. We lay down our lives for our friends when we prioritize their needs in the moment over what makes us most comfortable in that moment. Jesus says clearly in our passage, greater love has no one other than this to lay one's life down for one's friends. So as you think about your friendships this morning, are you actively laying down your life for your friends? Or maybe do you prefer friendships where you're more often on the receiving end of such acts of love. I encourage you in the week ahead to 
take some time to do a mental survey of friendships and consider where Jesus might be calling you to be even more obedient to his words that we've heard this morning. Because how we carry ourselves in our friendship should reflect how we've been changed by our friendship with God. We should be bearing fruit, as Jesus notes in this passage. And that brings us to our second point, the fruit of friendship. Jesus tells his disciples and he tells us that we are chosen by God and we are appointed so that we might go and bear fruit. And this language appears in a handful of places in the Bible and I love it. I love when the Bible talks about bearing fruit because to bear fruit, it means that on the outside, there are tangible things happening in our life that demonstrate the work that God is doing on the inside. You know, a good tree that's been planted in nice soil, that's received proper water and a healthy amount of sunlight, it's going to produce good fruit or it's going to bloom into a good flower. And likewise, a person who loves God and who is a friend of God has their life shaped in a way to demonstrate outward actions that flow from the work that God is bringing about in their life. There's a reason this imagery shows up so often in the Bible. John the Baptist, when he hits the scene preaching before baptizing Jesus, tells those that have come to be baptized, bear fruit worthy of repentance. And the Apostle Paul famously in Galatians writes about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Jesus, here in our passage this morning, and also elsewhere, earlier in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that false prophets, you will know them, you will identify them by their fruit. Followers of Jesus must bear good fruit. That's indicative of their relationship with God. And Jesus' command in this passage is quite clear, and we need to make sure we hear it. We need to hear Jesus saying, love as I have loved you and go and bear fruit that will last. And these commands work together. If we want to bear fruit, if we want to outwardly demonstrate the work that God is doing within us, we need to be loving and we need to love others as Jesus has loved us. As we hear Jesus' words this morning, this might be a familiar passage for you. And if it is or if it isn't, I encourage you to think closely about how simple but how serious the command is to love as I have loved you. So I'm curious, what is a word that comes to mind when you hear the word love? And you can share in the chat on YouTube what it is without thinking too deeply. Just what's that first word that comes to mind when you hear the word love? For me personally, when, when I hear Jesus talk about love, it can be tempting to apply connotations that we might have from pop culture today. Just yesterday morning, I went to Safeway. I love to get their donuts on a Saturday morning. And as I'm going up the escalator, the first thing that I see are balloons. There's balloons that have hearts on them. There's balloons that say the word love. And it's not on my radar at all, but clearly Safeway is ready for Valentine's Day. And sometimes that can be so present when we go to a grocery store or when we watch television that 
That's what we think about when we think about love. But what Jesus is talking about in our passage this morning is so much deeper than that, so much more sacrificial than the love connotations that we might bring to the table. It's not about balloons and roses. It's sacrificial, intentional, and sometimes messy love that we aim for because of Jesus' love for us. Followers of Jesus are to be marked by their love and their willingness to lay down their lives for their friends. That's the fruit that Jesus is talking about here. Before the message this morning, we sang the hymn together, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And a hymn that's been on my mind as I've sat with this passage all week is, They'll Know We Are Christians by Our Love. Do you know this hymn? It is an excellent one, and God blessed me with zero singing skills, so I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'll at least share the lines that stick with me. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we pray that our unity will one day be restored, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. It's a great hymn, it's a great ballad, frankly, that gets me pumped to demonstrate the love of Jesus in my life. And there are many ways that we outwardly demonstrate to the world that Jesus is at work in us. And Jesus is clear that one of the leading ways that we should do that is to be loving. It's a command. Love as I have loved you. As we get towards the end of the passage this morning and as we wrap up our time, I want to take a few minutes for us to consider the fruit of friendships that you have as a result of your friendship and your love with Jesus. So can you name in your head, and you don't have to share, but just name in your head some friendships that you have solely because that friend loves Jesus too. Consider the friends you have that you almost certainly would not cross paths with if it weren't for your shared love of God. These are some of the best friends. And as these friends come to mind, for me, it's a reminder of why I think the church is such a special and the most unique place that we can inhabit in our culture. Now, when I teach and when I preach, my tendency and my instinct is, is so often to push us collectively to look outside of the church to the world that needs to know God. But this morning, for, for our final point, I want us to focus inwardly for a bit, given these words of Jesus that we've read this morning. Someone whom I admire shared profound words with me once that the mark of a healthy Christian is a person who has strange friendships. Strange friendships, both inside the church and outside of it. I had a professor when I was in divinity school who was an expert on the Apostle Paul from a scholarly standpoint. And one of his convictions from a lifelong study of Paul's letters was that followers of Jesus should have a healthy number of these strange friendships. 
And this particular instructor was a, an academic who practiced what he preached too. In fact, the first time that I stepped foot inside a prison was with this professor. And he led our class to host and carry out a Christmas dinner and party at the central prison in Raleigh. And he kicked it off by simply saying to the class, Jesus says the people who live here right now are people that we should be friends with. There was nothing showy about it. He read the scripture. He saw what Jesus said. He read the letters of Paul and knew that these strange friendships were the mark of someone whose life has been radically changed by Jesus. And it was a wonderful party. And as a result of the experience, the following semester, I took a class that he helped set up and it met inside of the prison with half of the class being students who were registered at my school and half of the class was made up of people who were serving time, many of whom were serving life sentences. And the class as a whole came together, we sat every other, and we became true friends. And it only took a matter of a few class sessions to realize that we weren't all that different from one another in terms of what made us tick, what we were interested in, and our desire to learn together. In fact, the main difference that I came away with from that class was that many people in the class who lived at the prison were light years smarter and more well-read than I was. Another type of strange friendship that I think Jesus wants everyone in the church to have are intergenerational friendships. And forgive me for calling those strange, but I think that they should be natural, even if the world might identify them as strange. Sometimes, personally, I'll reference a friend to someone who is not a regular churchgoer, and I'll be referencing a friend who I might know from church. It'll be one of these strange friendships where we're bound and united with the foundation that we both love Jesus together. And sometimes my friend who's not familiar with life in the church will be surprised if I'm referencing a friend of mine who is eight or a friend of mine who is 80. And all of the time it makes them smile when they realize I know people who are so far outside of my age range. But as Jesus calls us to bear fruits of love and faithfulness, he leads us to have strange friendships, strange friendships that we find inside the community of the church, but also strange friendships that we form as we listen to God calling us outside the walls or outside the church to share his love with others. So rooted in our love for Jesus, we should have real friends, these unique friendships, friends who were born way before us or way after us, friends who don't look like us, friends who we would never break bread with under different circumstances outside of the fact that we all love Jesus. These are friends with whom we are truly one in the Lord. That's a big reason why I love the church. The church really is an amazing place when you think about it through that lens. We commit to a church out of obedience and out of humility, acknowledging that we need each other, and that we're better when we're following Jesus together. And 
In doing so, we embrace the lives, the influences, and the support of people who we would have never hung out with if it weren't for the fact that we love Jesus and we're trying to be obedient to his words that we focused on this morning. We find ourselves in these strange friendships when we're obedient to Jesus' commands. So a question I hope you'll consider in the week ahead is, is your relationship with Jesus leading you into strange friendships? And if not, pray and ask God how you might take steps outside of your comfort zone to make new friends with that shared foundation, with a love for God. It is nice to have a friend. It's nice to have a friend in Jesus, and it's nice to have friends who lay down their lives for us and for whom we can lay down our own lives as we demonstrate sacrificial love. And it's especially nice to have a whole variety of friendships with this shared foundation in love and obedience to the words of Jesus. So if people come to mind as you think about that question this morning, I hope you'll take some time this week to thank some of those friends. Those friendships are fruit that God has created. And at the same time, in prayer, I hope you'll consider how you might be led to acquire more. Ask God about this. And let's take Jesus' command that we've heard in Scripture into the week ahead. We, we see Jesus tell us in John 15 to love each other and to love as Jesus has loved us. And to do this, at the core, we need to be certain that we receive and that we embrace the love that Jesus has for us. Love that forgives us, love that redeems us, and love that emboldens us to care for the world and lay down our life for our friends. So let's take steps in that direction this week as a church out of obedience to the words that Jesus has spoken to us this morning. Concludes worship this morning. I hope these words from Jesus will ring loudly in your ear this morning and that you'll consider your friendships and consider how Jesus is leading you to boldly lay down your life for, their, for your friends. So let's conclude in prayer now. God, we thank you for the fact that you are our friend, God, and that you call us to befriend others here on earth who help us, who lay down their lives for us, and who support us as we try to faithfully be obedient to that which you've commanded us. So, God, in the week ahead, bless us. Send your spirit with us. May we seek opportunities to be sacrificial in our love for others as we know you have been ultimately sacrificial to us in, our, in your death on the cross. So God, bless us and keep us as we go from here about the rest of our Sunday and the week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. We will see you next Sunday.